Tonight, we're continuing our series, Made for More. And tonight, we're talking about the topic of identity. So, with the topic of identity, there's two important questions for us to answer, having to do with that. Who are you, and what do you live for? Who are you, and what do you live for? This series, Made for More, we're going to be talking in the future about um, different topics related to sexuality, but there's a lot of talk about identity when it comes to this topic of sexuality. I mean, there's a whole alphabet that you can identify your as, you know, yourself as straight, as gay, queer, trans, a, a whole list of options for you to say, this is my identity. We're going to talk about some of those things in this series, but first we're going to lay a foundation of where we should find our identity. None of those letters in the alphabet, including being straight, none of, the, none of those things, none of those sexual identities should be the source of our identity, of who we are as a person. Tonight we're going to talk about how our identity should be founded and rooted in who we are in Christ. And so we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tonight. If you guys are following along, we'll have the verse, verses on the screen for you as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're starting out in verse 14. It says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, so that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake was died, for their sake died and was raised. The first point that we're talking about tonight is that because our identity is in Christ, we live for him. So again, those questions, who we are, and what do we live for? Tonight, first, we're going to start out with what do we live for? Because our identity is in Christ, we live for him. Love causes people to do crazy things. You guys maybe have heard a story, a love story, or seen a movie of a couple pursuing one another despite all odds. Love has the ability to control us. It controls our thoughts, our actions. It has the ability to even change our priorities in our life. Before I met my wife, Brianna, I didn't care that much about saving money. Before I met Brianna, I didn't care that much about, um, I don't know, what did I write down here? I didn't care that much about being a good husband because I wasn't married. I didn't care about the things that she likes to do or what makes her laugh. I was very uncultured with food. I pretty much ate like cheeseburgers and fries and chicken nuggets, but she introduced me to stuff like Thai food and sushi and things like that. So I still eat a lot of cheeseburgers, going in and out probably tonight. but. You know, I'm a little more diversified, right? So beginning a relationship with Brianna changed priorities in my life. I care about things now that I didn't care about before because of her love for me and my love for her. This verse starts out by saying the love of Christ controls us. In a similar way, when we begin a relationship with God, our priorities change. Love has the ability to change our priorities. When we meet God, everything changes. God loves us. We love him. We respond to his love. We are given a new heart with new desires when we come to Christ. So the love of Christ controls us. It gives us this, these new desires. But at the same time, we know we still have a lot of earthly or worldly things that we still look after. Things that we still live for or maybe focus on. We want to have a good career. We want to get decent grades. We care about others' perceptions of us. In our minds, we probably think of earthly, temporal things uh, probably more often than eternal things. If you're like me, I, I probably think of earthly things or just earthly problems that I'm dealing with more often 
than eternal things. But our earthly goals can tend to center around us and what we want. There's nothing wrong with having earthly goals, but sometimes they can center around us and what we want. So when we focus on the world, when we focus on these kind of earthly goals for our life, it can make us live for ourselves. But the problem with that can be that what the world has to offer us is fleeting. Who's the fastest person in this room? I'm curious. Who thinks the fastest? Jace? Malachi, I literally beat you in a race that I can't pause to you. All right, let's just say, whoever it is, we can debate. You guys can race afterwards, whatever. Somebody's the fastest, I don't know. But whoever the fastest person is, regardless of who that is, nobody in here is fast enough to catch up to the wind. You can't grab wind, right? No matter how fast you run, no matter how far you reach, you cannot catch the wind. And all this stuff that the world has to offer us, it's fleeting. You know, this song, uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says it's all like vanity. It's all like chasing after the wind. It's something that you can't grasp. It's something that won't make you happy. You always want more, but you can't catch the wind. Verse 15, it says that Jesus died, and he died for all, so that those who live might no longer live for who? For themselves but for him who for their sake was died and raised. So Jesus died for us so that we wouldn't live for ourselves, but we would live for him. Jesus died so we wouldn't have to keep chasing after something that we couldn't reach. He died to give us something to reach for that we can actually grab onto. When we live for ourselves, we chase after these worldly things, but when we live for Christ, we chase after eternal things. And at the same time, we find the place where the eternal meets the temporal. Because, like I said, it's still good to have goals in this life and purposes here on earth, right? But we find that place when we come to Christ where his eternal purposes can align with our earthly purposes. Let me give you an example. Now when you come to Christ, getting good grades isn't about me and my own goals. It's about using my intellect for God and his glory and his kingdom. Being a good son or daughter, showing honor to my parents, becomes a reflection of how I honor God and submit to authorities that he has given me. So the eternal purposes of God and his kingdom meet me in my temporal purposes here on earth. And along with that, when we live for Christ, our sexual desires go from being something that was a pursuit of temporal pleasure to something that can be a lifelong relationship with your spouse as you do kingdom work together and raise your kids to live for Christ as well. So because Christ died for me to save me, to make me new, I am called to live for him. I don't know about you guys, but I tried living for myself. Maybe you tried living for yourself. It doesn't really work. Living for myself means believing the lie that less is more. It's believing the lie that my own temporary earthly desires are better than eternal ones. It's believing the lie that I can catch the wind. But God gives us a better goal to press on towards. Philippians 3.14. Paul, the same author who wrote 2 Corinthians, says, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So before the prize is a worldly one, the prize is temporary things that are going to turn to moth and rust, a temporary success and earthly glory but now we know that we are made for an eternal inheritance. The next point is that to find your identity in Christ 
your perspective on him has to change. Verse 16, Paul says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. So here's what he's saying. He's saying, I once regarded Christ according to the flesh. What that means is, is he allowed his view of Jesus to be clouded by misunderstanding, to be clouded by the sin in his life. Paul understood this in a, new, in a unique way. He thought that Jesus was a false teacher. He thought all these people running around saying that they saw the resurrected Christ were lying. And he would throw Christians into prison for following this false teacher, Jesus. Well, all that changed one day. He was on the road to Damascus on his way to throw more Christians into prison, and he has an encounter with the resurrected Christ, and his life is dramatically transformed. His perspective on Jesus changed. What is your perspective on Jesus? Is he real to you? Is he your Lord? Do you live for him or for yourself? Do you just turn to God sometimes for help, maybe if you need to pass a test or make a sports team, only when things in life are hard, or do you try to live your whole life for him? So part of our identity is who do you live, what do you live for? But the other question is who are you? The point here is that in Christ, your identity is a new creation. I put new creation in quotes because it's in that verse we're about to look at. So what do we live for? We live for Christ. Who are you? In Christ, our identity is new creation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So when you give your life to Jesus, you're a new creation. It's amazing to me that God gives us a fresh start. We are dead in our sins, but he makes us alive in Christ. It reminds me of this story of this guy named Lazarus. Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. Jesus is, and so he died, and Jesus wept over him. Shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. It was over his friend Lazarus who passed away. And Jesus goes to visit, and we pick up the story in John chapter 11. It says, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days, so dead four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. This is important, you guys. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. We know later on in the story of Jesus calls Lazarus out of that grave. Lazarus is raised from the dead. But I want us to really focus on what Jesus said there. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me, though they die, they may physically die, they're really going to be alive. It makes me think of this quote Billy Graham said. Billy Graham passed away, I think it was only about two years ago, 2020. 
And he said there will someday come a time where you read in the news that Billy Graham is dead. But I will be more alive than I have ever been. Jesus is saying, though we may die, we're really going to be made alive through him. Anyone who believes in me and lives shall never die. Is he talking about no, we'll never physically die? No. Lazarus, although Jesus raised from the dead, someday Lazarus physically died. But he had an eternal hope. He had an eternal life to look forward to. So we do physically die, but before, before we trusted in this eternal life, we were headed towards a different kind of death. We're headed towards an eternal death, an eternal separation from God and hell. But Christ came to give us eternal life. So my identity now is in Christ as a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. And this new creation will never die. A new creation has an eternal inheritance. It's chosen, it's called, it's kept by the Father. And if your identity is in Christ, then that is who you are. You are chosen, you are called, and you are kept by the Father as a new creation. That is your identity. And I hope that encourages you, and I hope it sounds encouraging. But at the same time, we all know that maybe it feels like there's a little asterisk next to that. And that asterisk is, well, I'm a new creation. I trusted in Christ. I gave my life to him. But if I'm a new creation, why do I still mess up? If I have this new identity, why do I sometimes still act like this old identity I used to have? We mess up. We sin. We struggle with our sexuality, with sexual temptation. Here's the next point addressing that. Your ghost is a liar. Your ghost is a liar. Some of you guys are like, what the heck? Now we're talking about ghosts? Like, are ghosts even real? I don't really want to get into that. But your ghost is a liar. I'll explain what I mean by this, okay? 2 Corinthians 5.17. I read it again. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has what? The old has passed away. And behold, the new has come. Your old self that has passed away your old self that is dead, buried, gone, still doesn't want to let go. Your old self still wants to come back to help you. The enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. Your old self, your sin nature, is going to tell you to seek the less that you were living for before you realized that you were made for more. Your old self wants to bring those old temptations. Your old self wants to, to make you tie your identity to that corpse that you used to be. But listen, no matter how haunted you are by that ghost, by that old self, you're a new creation. If you've trusted in Jesus for your salvation, the old you is gone, it's dead, it's buried, and the new has come. And so when the old you comes back and the old you says, hey, remember how this was? Try this. Remember when your identity was this? Come, come back over here. When the old you says, remember, you can find happiness in this, find happiness in these temporal things. When the old you comes back, you can tell the old you, I don't talk to dead people. I don't talk to dead people. You're dead. You're gone. You're the old me. My identity is in Christ. I'm a new creation. That's not me anymore. 
And even when you do mess up and you do those things that that old sin nature makes you do, you can still know and trust, hey, that me is dead and gone, and I'm choosing to live and walk in the new me, in the new creation that God has made me to be, because that's my identity now. As a new creation, your identity is not founded, not foundationally laid in things that will someday die. Your identity isn't in things that, that could be good or neutral things. Your identity as a new creation is not in just uh, being a man, who you are as a man. Your identity is not just in who you are as a woman. I'm not saying, you know, those, those are bad things, but or that they don't matter, but they don't make a good foundation for who you are as a person. Your identity is not your sexuality. Your identity is not founded and rooted in who you're attracted to. Your identity is rooted in Christ. It's rooted in Christ. This building has a foundation. It's probably a big slab of concrete. I'm pretty sure. It's pretty old, but I'm pretty sure they had concrete back then. So it's probably a big slab of concrete is the foundation of this building. As a new creation, your identity, its foundation is Christ in your life. That's the foundation. But if your identity is founded in who you are maybe as a, as a student athlete, then that's like, you know, you're making the roof your foundation. A roof doesn't make a great foundation. If your identity is in your good grades, that's like you're making the drywall your foundation. If your identity is in who you're attracted to, if your identity is founded on your sexuality and, and your desires and who you're attracted to, that's like making the windows your foundation. It's going to shatter. Only Christ can be a strong foundation for your identity and your life. It is a foundation that you can base your life on and you won't be shaken. So what were those two questions with identity? Who are you and what do you live for? Are you a new creation living in the more that you were made for? Maybe you're not. Maybe you've been living in the less. Living the less means living for yourself. It means putting your plan, your design before God's design, the world's design before God's design, the lies that you hear before God's truth. It means putting your identity in other things than Christ. It means listening to the lie that less is more, that chasing the wind is more, and it's selling yourself short. That's what it means, but what does it look like? It looks like maybe never engaging with God in genuine prayer. It looks like valuing the temporary pleasures of the world rather than the lasting pleasures of the kingdom. It looks like never bringing your real self into an intimate relationship with God. That's a big one right there. So maybe you've tried this. Maybe you've tried to start a relationship with God, but it didn't work because you didn't bring your real self. You brought your church self. You brought yourself that you think is supposed to be better. You didn't bring your real self with all the flaws, with all those dark thoughts, with all those dark secrets. Maybe you brought the self that your friends see. Maybe you brought the self that your family sees. But you're not going to be a new creation until you bring your real self, just as you are, to the cross. And that's where God wants to transform your life. And eventually, if you've lived in the less long enough, you will realize it's not enough for you. There's something innate about you that knows you were made for more. 
So if you've been living in the less and you want a fresh start, there's good news. In this same chapter, the last verse of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is what this verse means. It says, For our sake, okay, for us, he made him, God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin. So Jesus never sinned. Jesus was perfect. God incarnate. God came down, became a man, lived a perfect life. Jesus never sinned. But God made him to be sin. What does that mean? It means that he represented sinners. He, he took our place on the cross. He was made to be sin, to suffer sin, the punishment for sin in place of us, so that way we would not have that sin on us anymore. We would become the righteousness of God. Our identity can go from sinner to saved. It can go from dead corpse to new creation. It can go from unholy to righteous because what this verse says, he made him who knew no sin to be sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You can discover what it means and experience what it means to be made for more. But you have to do this. And last point tonight is that to discover the more that you were made for, you have to give up the less that you've been living for. To discover the more that you were made for, you have to give up the less that you've been living for. It's an exchange. You take your less and you bring it to God. And he gives you his more and he applies it to your life. You take your less, your sin, and you place some on him who became sin on your behalf. And he gives you his more, his righteousness, and places that and covers you in it and makes you a new creation. And that's when you can have a new identity. That's when you can know who you are and what you're living for. It's Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you for teaching us through your word tonight. And I just pray any student that's here tonight that's struggling with their identity, Lord, that they would know that they can be a new creation. They can walk as a new creation in you. Despite whatever they're struggling with, Lord, that they can continually time and time again, get back up and live in that new identity as a new creation. God, we pray that our identity would be founded not in temporal things, uh, not in things that, that we desire, not in earthly things, not in our sexuality, not in any of that, but ultimately our identity would be first and foremost founded in you and from that would flow every priority, every decision, every choice and flow who we are in our lives. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.